You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Hey, everyone. If you like this podcast, you should check out the full finance journey at realvision.com slash rvpod to get the full view of what Real Vision is all about. A video on-demand platform you can watch anywhere. Our members get daily videos and analysis, plus access to more than 3,000 videos for beginners and experienced investors alike, and live events online. You'll join the most thoughtful community in finance. More than 300,000 people who trust Real Vision to be the anchor to truth in the financial world. To get started, visit realvision.com slash rvpod and use the promo code PODCAST10 to get 10% off our essential membership for your first year. Enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. It's Tuesday, March 31st, 2022. I'm Maggie Lake, and here with me today is Tony Greer, editor of The Morning navigator newsletter hi there tony maggie how you doing i'm just gonna fast forward you it's may 31st that's how fast time flies what did i say i i knew i was gonna anytime we come up a long weekend i'm forget it i'm I'm still i'm still there and i'm struggling it's like I monday it tuesday the it's the 30th 31st you know listen we're done with may tony that's the most important thing <laughs> i'm just glad i'm not the only one that gets months confused let's that's keep right. pro- let's proceed that's right well we, it's been a tough month it's been a volatile one, and at least it's in the books, but I'm not sure it's going to get any better from here. And I want to start with energy because we have uh, a lot of kind of news coming out on that, coming off a holiday weekend here. So markets were closed, a lot of people out. Coming back in to find out late Monday, EU leaders agreed to ban most Russian imports. You know, we've been waiting for that, oil imports. And then today, word that some OPEC members are exploring the idea of maybe suspending Russia's participation in an oil production deal, just figuring out that, you know, figuring they can't get enough production out um, to be be participating in that. That's just a report not happened yet. But, you know, you've got these headlines swirling. What are you watching in terms of price action? You were here last week with me. You talked about that rally coming, you know, back oil back moving higher again. What do you see happening here? Well, you know, like you said, astutely, Maggie, we um, the market had to absorb a bullish headline as it rallied toward its recent highs um, into a holiday market, holiday shortened market um, that's often a much thinner market. Um, and then today we had to sort of absorb and unravel all the headlines in WTI. It obviously got quite a bit ahead of itself. It tapped a big psychological number up at 120 and fell back three or four percent and remained pretty much flat on the day. So it gave a lot of its, you know, early in the over the weekend gains back. Um, you could easily see how those gains were printed up as, you know, short covers came into a very thin market and drove the price higher than it probably otherwise would have opened this morning. And so you see things falling back with the direction of crude oil, the way it traded in the New York time zone today, which was, you know, from the top left to the bottom corner, uh, bottom right corner of your short term screens there. So that was um, that was to me nothing unusual, nothing. None of the technical moves were really broke trend. If there's one move that stood out to me today, it would be in oil services where there was an outside reversal day at a particularly 
um, kind of obvious resistance level where it struggled before. Now we've got this outside reversal day down in one of the sectors of energy. And that could weigh on the tape for a couple of days. I don't really know. My sense is uh, that I can still remain positive, though, the physical commodity itself, um, WTI crude oil, uh, Brent crude oil, as you know, I've kind of been beating the same drum that the, the backwardation is intact. The calendar spreads are still kind of, you know, at the wides or trading near the wides that they've been in. And we do not have any demand destruction. Right. I, we have to say today that consumer confidence coming out, the data that we saw today, you yeah. know, um, up at one. Oh, what was it there? Um, I think it was one of three, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, um, it's a little bit better than expected. Either way, you know, with, with, with my, my opinion of that number was there's no there's no stag in the economy to go on to go along with the inflation of the stagflation scenario. Yeah. Right. Consumer confidence is still kind of booming during five dollar gasoline episodes and your grocery bill being up 25 percent from the last couple of quarters. That's a decent sign for for general demand. Right. So I have to say that, you know, I gain confidence that this is not going to be a weaker driving season this summer because gas is five dollars a gallon. Um, I don't think that anybody is canceling any plans to fly anywhere because airline prices may have adjusted to the price of oil. So I don't believe that there is real demand destruction yet. I feel like we are going to continue to see high volatility and these fits and starts on headlines in the energy market. The bull trend is intact and all systems are go for me. And I just don't see the demand destruction. And I don't um, more importantly, I don't see the supply side problem being solved anytime soon. Yeah, I'm going to crack myself. It was 106. The forecast was for 103. So you're right. right. It was it's like, you know, really holding a little decline from the previous reading, but but holding up. And I think we all just had to look around for those who are out and about on the holiday weekend to see that things were heaving. I mean, you know. (laughs) People are sucking it up because they've there's so much pent up desire to go places, to gather, to do all that stuff that people haven't been doing. So in the, for the at least the short term, hard to see, to your point, that demand destruction. I think the further out we get, maybe that becomes an issue. You know, I'm 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 wondering, do you think that we're are we in a trading range here? Is it a higher range than it was before? Um, well, I still think that we're in a bit of retracement mode, Maggie. You know, I'm still I, I kind of remain bearish technology with my broader great rotation thesis that we're going to have a lot of money coming into commodities and a lot of money coming out of big tech first and other sectors of technology next. Um, as I believe in that rotation and I look at the chart against that idea, what looks to me like, you know, fang stocks were off 40 percent at their lows from the peak, a 40% drawdown, which is massive. You know, the S&P was down over 25%. We're now down about 22%, I believe, in the NASDAQ and still in a bear market there. I think that that's going to continue. And I think that we'll see other periods where the natural resources side of the S&P or the basic material side of the S&P sort of tries to keep the, the broader market afloat. But we saw a lot of um, we saw evidence of that sort of rotation that I've been looking for in the month of May here as we closed the month. You know, Fang was off one percent while the S&P was up a couple of basis points. Um, We saw a big pullback in break evens 
in the bond market and yields backed off a little bit, but we saw a rally in fossil fuels and natural mm-hmm. gas and oil rallied sharply. So, you know, the signs of this rotation are still everywhere. We saw, um, you know, XLE, XOP, um, all of these sectors in energy are up over five, six percent this month, still putting in, you know, leadership type of qualities. And the, the, the story remains the same for me, Maggie, as, as long as this is just a retracement, I'm going to be looking to sell rallies in technology and buy dips in natural resources. You know, I have a question from Ross on the exchange that uh, I think makes a lot of sense to bring in now. And he's asking, how do you assess the risk profile of trading commodity futures versus trading commodity equities? And what are the environments you prefer one over the other? We've This has come up before. Yeah. You know, put it this way, it's a it's a tricky question. Trading commodity futures is a lot more complicated and I don't know, I guess labor intensive than trading, um, you know, ETFs or or other equity sectors. There's usually a little uh, a bump up in, in volatility adjustment that you have to deal with when you step into the commodity arena and versus trading, you know, the slower moving equity sector. That's a lot, you know, that that's not is the easiest thing for the the average, you know, Joe six pack or retail customer. Mm. So, you know, I try to keep my trading ideas to ETFs in as much as I can, because this way everybody gets the idea of what I'm trading. And if you have the means to trade the actual commodity, which I find, I mean, probably 15 to 20 percent or 25 percent of my audience actually does. Mm -hmm. um, Then you can go ahead and manage that risk that way, because that's a little bit more complicated. You have to roll out the calendar. You're in front months, so you're subject to more volatility. There's a lot to consider when you're trading the commodity. So, you know, you have to obviously adjust your risk accordingly. You know, you have to be smaller in size and try to have a longer time frame if you're trading the physical commodity. And I feel like the stocks are a little bit more forgiving. You know, in general, you're trading within the context of a bullish stock market. And, you know, this is a a sector that's in a bull run right now. So it makes a lot of sense to me to be trading it that way. Yeah, that great answer, Tony. I think that's a great clarification for people because I think are trying to think about this. I also just want to circle back to you said what you said about sort of when you see it move. It sounds like you have to be really nimble, though, because you're going to take the opportunity. You're expecting to see more step like action, it sounds like, where you're going to get periods of retracement because we've been in an extraordinary period where we've seen these really rapid one way moves. Does it feel like maybe it's going to get a little bit more? Um, where you've got to pick your moments and you've got to stay a little bit a little bit nimble here. Yeah, you know, nim- nimble is kind of uh, you know a relative term in terms of this this commodity trade. The way it's w- working out, you are still being rewarded for standing in and buying dips and and believing in the in the rally and believing that there are structural deficits across commodities. You know, you've still been rewarded for, you know, if you were sharp enough to get out of the way and get out of your technology names, you know, your your portfolio is doing a lot better in May than it would have been in January if you didn't touch them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there, there's a lot to consider there within portfolio construction and portfolio management, I think, at some level. So. There's, you know, we, we, we can go whichever way you want about. Yeah, that. you know, and, and you, everyone's different, too. Right. So these are broad questions when you're not actually looking at the person's portfolio. Hard to know when they're asking questions. Hey, everyone, we're going to take a quick break right now to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. 
You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Want to ask you about Nat Gas. I know that's something you're watching as well. And I want to bring up a, a point that Jesse uh, tweeted us earlier today saying that the theme there is going to be people and pipe shortages on both, perhaps impacting the price action there. Um, that sort of echoes a, a article that was out on Bloomberg as well around that gas. Um, how, how much are you watching the pipeline issue here? And, and are you expecting that to maybe put a cap on where prices can go? No, it's it's been something that, you know, we've, we've just, I guess, started to consider where, you know, the supply chain is going to slow down the expansion of, you know, E&P production. Um, inflation is likely to slow it down even further. So there are definitely issues with natural gas production that are, you know, going to stand in the way of the rally sometimes. But there are other things that are, should really keep natural gas really well bid. You know, not everybody. Yeah, most most you know nations are undersupplied and would rather have a lot more sto under storage right now than they currently do. So I think that lends a bid to it. And um, the 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 other side of the story, like the pipe story, I can't really speak to that well. I'm, you know, I'm trying to just keep my eye on the ball in terms of the calendar spread staying backward dated and, mm -hmm. you know, the demand being steady and things like that. So I just feel like the, the more the more chances that we slide towards intermittent power, the more the more of a chance that there is a, a real scare in natural gas where the price could double from last sale or something crazy like that. Yeah. And amid all the volatility, you know, I think people are kind of bracing for these big moves still. You know, we we in, in this period, as we've talked with this comes up every time people always asking about diversification, but specifically wondering whether gold's a good investment. We always get someone who's asking about gold. Um, I want to talk about it on the other side. But Mike Green had a chance to sit down with Keith Weiner, the founder and CEO of Mon Mon Monetary Metals and asked why he continues to believe in gold. Let's have a listen to a clip from that conversation. One of the things that I, that I want to highlight there is you use this phrase about gold saying it's nobody else's liability, right? So it's the financial asset that is nobody else's liability. What does that mean to you? Well, if you have a dollar bill, as you just said, it's only good so long as the Fed is solvent and the Fed is solvent only so long as the US government is, is is the U.S. government can't pay its debts. I mean, we're way, 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 way past that. You know, 30 years ago, you could debate whether the government could somehow amortize it. But at least the government services its debts by selling new bonds every time an old one matures. So as long as that holds true, the Fed is solvent. The assets that the Fed holds, which is Treasury's liabilities, are money good. Then the Fed's liability, which is the dollar, is good. And so your dollar is good so only so long as that condition is true. But if that condition or when that condition fails to be true any longer, then that uh, that dollar in your in your hand or in your bank account suddenly becomes just like the Zimbabwe dollar, just like the uh, Venezuelan Bolivar, just like uh, Weimar. You know, they all they all go eventually when their shelf life is up. 
And that full interview is available to Essential Plus and Pro members on our website. You know, Tony, um, you know, there are people who hold that view and that's sort of a long, you know, macro view. But I know I, in the past when we've talked, you've been frustrated with the gold trade. How are you feeling about it now? Still frustrated. I haven't gotten my money back. <laughs> so, I, you know, I, I very much uh, th this is one of the, uh, the trades that the old Tony would still be pounding the table on and not giving up on and saying, you know, eventually it's going to work, et cetera, et cetera. But as long as the performance indicates that it is, in fact, not working, I have no interest in trading it from the long side. So I'll continue to maybe stack coins on dips and things like that to be sort of fiscally conservative. But I don't see, you know, like I go back, I keep landing on the same argument with the energy markets and the ag markets um, and everything correlated to them all trading with such, uh, you know, with such volatility and, and such powerful trend that there's still, you know, there are a thousand other trades I could think of rather than try to sit here and wait for that moment when gold is going to decide to go up. Yeah, because as you can see, all we had today was a slight bump higher in yields and gold is spilling right down to the lows of the move for the day, carving a new low as we speak at 1835. And that's the number that it's been trading for the last three, two years or three years. So as a trade, as a as a trend follower and performance hawk, I, I could not I could not be less interested in gold other than the stuff that I have in my safe, which is still a good uh, insurance policy. Uh I'm not sure if you're following this one closely. It's very specific, so feel free to punt if it's not something that's on your radar. But David on the RV site saying, up, any update on Southwestern Energy Company? Sure. The chart looks great. Um, I mean, I don't know. I Still, it's easy to be bullish natural gas producers. Um, there's been a really powerful advance off of technical support in Southwestern Energy um, it closed today, the second highest close of the year at $9.12. I don't know if it looks like a bull market, trades like a bull market, smells like a bull market, acts like a bull market, does everything bull markets do. You're going to have to decide on your own. Yeah. But I, I don't have any advice for things like that. Right. Uh, I think we reiterated this before, but uh, no one knows thyself uh, from YouTube asking, um, is the reversal we saw in XLE, XOP and UNG a sign that the oil and natural gas trades may be exhausted? We touched on that, but if he joined late, um, do they feel like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I want to keep slamming the microphone on my head as long as um, the energy market is literally bid the highs and I have traders on Twitter, on television, on Real Vision now saying, um, "This talk to me about this pullback yeah. that we've seen here in energy. Um, it seems that oil just traded the bid. That must be the end, right? That must be the end because oil just traded the bid, right? Now, if you would have said that at any point in the last two years, you would have been spun upside down and spit out by the backside of the oil market in a very short period of time. Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed about the oil dynamic other than we are creeping closer on the calendar to elections that could potentially reverse the political side of the oil trade. But right now, it's amazing to me that oil is still bid the absolute high of the move 
and there are people still talking about what about this crazy reversal that's going on it's like i don't know it looks like the last 15 reversals that happened 20 percent ago so yeah. I'm going to stick with my guns and say that this move isn't over because nothing about the fundamentals or the price action has even changed. And on the flip side, even though we've seen so many people caught up in bear bounces in tech, everyone's calling the bottom in tech and saying that this is it. Now is the time to step in and buy. Same exact story, except upside down. Right, Maggie? Mm -hmm. They want to buy technology. They, they can't stand it that their Facebook and Amazon have been hurting them for the last couple of statements. You know, they're frustrated that they're not in the energy sector that's up 35, 45, 55 percent on the year. And this is going to continue until they all rotate into those sectors and understand that with these fundamental dynamics that they are not going to back off anytime soon. Mm. And ha have you seen signs? I mean, we certainly know people have been, you know, paying attention and some people have been increasing their exposure. But how lopsided is it still? I mean, do we still have a lot of people who are not participating um, and don't have energy in their portfolios or haven't rotated out or gained some exposure? You know, in the commodity, it doesn't seem like the spec long has been, you know, showing up at all. You know, open interest isn't elevated. The spec long and commitment of traders isn't really historically a huge, you know, given where price is. So I think there are people that are still willing to, you know, hang on to this stagflation dream and, and maybe short crude oil here or, or sell some here and see what happens. Um, I just don't see any signs that stagflation is biting anywhere in the markets and uh, other than literally talking points on, on, on TV and on interviews and with Kathy Wood and things like that. So if I start seeing real evidence, then I'll start worrying about an oil pullback. But to me, this isn't a pullback like 120 to 115 is oil was trading the offer this morning. Oil is going to trade the bid this afternoon. I totally get that. A pullback is 75. Mm. A pullback is $80. Right. That's a pullback where you have to make people make decisions. This doesn't make This doesn't force any portfolio to make any decisions or any changes other than I got to get in on this bull market. Great point. Angela on the exchange is asking your view on where the U.S. dollar is going next. Man, if the chart doesn't still say it's trending higher, you know, I don't know what else to tell you. I, I don't uh, I don't have a strong view and I, and I don't mean to be a wise guy at all. Like I haven't the dollar has been mesmerizing to me and how strong it's been. And so I just revert to the chart and make believe that the, the ticker is a widget when I can't understand what's going on, because then I just let the price action guide me. And as long as the dollar keeps holding dips into moving average support and then rallying, I'm going to say that the path of least resistance is up still. I, I don't know that anything has fundamentally changed. We've still got a pretty good interest rate differential, you know, between the U.S. and Europe, the U.S. and Japan. It's just getting wider to our favor. So it seems like the dollar might be a comfortable place to be. And I'm not an FX expert. Yeah, no, no. Great, great point. And the implications of that, of course, you know, we, we certainly hear people come on talking about the dollar wrecking ball. Um, just sat down with Peter Zehan, had had a sort of geopolitical slash uh, geoeconomic conversation and um, really interesting things to say if that does hold true and the dollar stronger, which he also thinks is the case. Um, we're going to release that Friday. So just a sneak tease for you guys. But but, you know, kind of mind blowing things to worry about for, for off the back of that. I'll tell you that. We're going to take another quick break to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. 
Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Um, Ralph asking on the RV site, does Tony have a view on wheat? Yeah, you know, it's 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 easy to be bullish grains when you're have been bullish energy and remain bullish energy because grains really probably shouldn't trade off too much if the energy prices just remain intact and the trend remains intact. So I'm overall an energy bull, a wheat, excuse me, a grain bull also. So I'm therefore a wheat bull. At the same time, everyone saw that economist cover, I think it was, with the, to the shafts of wheat on it. And, you know, that's as big a sentiment signal as you can get, right? When, when the, the grain trade actually makes it to the front page of the periodical, you know, that's when no matter what, you look back a couple of weeks or months later and prices have softened a little bit, right? It takes any speculation, ex excessive speculation right out and we get back to a more fundamental place in the market. So I still think that the green markets are gonna hold the dip somewhere. I'm just a little wary about that sentiment curse um, in the rearview mirror. So there may be a little bit downside first. Jim Griffin asking on the RV site, does Tony think there's a chance the Biden administration would approve the opening of the Keystone XL, not much different crude than what might come in from Venezuela? I don't think that they're going to do anything to reverse the policy that they are on or the track that they're on when their special climate change envoy is suggesting that we transition to electronic vehicles at a multiple times faster than we are transitioning now. So it's pretty obvious that the transition now is causing a lot of havoc in the energy markets. It's causing, you know, unbelievable inflation in gasoline and food prices. And there's still the climate envoy out there saying that we need to do this a lot faster than we are doing it right now. So a lot faster means $10 gasoline, a lot faster means $150 crude oil. And I don't see how that, uh, I don't see any signs that the administration is gonna reverse this move toward net zero. And I don't even know if a change in political leadership is going to mean mm -hmm. Uh, a, a smart enough or fast enough pivot away from the energy policy that we have. Certainly, there will be a few things that will be amended right away if that happens. But broadly speaking, I, I fear, and that will most definitely cause a dip in the energy markets. But broadly speaking, I fear that all politicians are all for the green movement in some way. And so, I, I don't know, I think it's going to be with us for a lot longer. And, and mm -hmm. it's not going to just go away one day. So we'll see what happens. Uh, we, we talked about the, the, you know, the news that came out while uh, U.S. markets were closed or people were away from their desks at any point uh, about the Europeans imposing sanctions. Greg from PA on the RV site asking, um, what do you think the odds are for a European energy crisis, maybe a worse energy crisis, because they seem to be in one already. But what are your thoughts there? They're vulnerable, right? They're extremely vulnerable. And so I feel like you have to expect it rather than expect it to not happen, you know, to be smart. Um, hopefully they are being opportunistic and using any dips in price to expand their storage capacity. You know, 
back into the five-year averages. So they have, excuse me, so they have at least a little bit of a cushion in case they have massive electricity demand due to higher than normal temperatures this summer or, you know, lower than normal temperatures heading into the winter, you know, going even more forward. But the natural gas market still shows a really, really heavy premium in the winter months. So that tells me that there's still somebody still on the accumulation side of this trade, even though it's volatile here at the highs between nine and eight dollars. Um, that's just what happens when this thing starts going. So we'll see what happens um, when it shakes out. But my guess is that Europeans and a lot of other buyers are going to be on the bid looking to fill up their storage. Mm. Uh, are you watching? So so with the idea that even in, even with different political regimes changing, it's sort of, you know, green light, go forward on the you know alternate energy clean energy whatever you want to call it esg trade are you watching the carbon trade because that was sort of right in the crosshairs when all this happened and is that something that's on your radar uh roger from the rv side asking yeah you know it's obviously because i have to check the price that it has been um kind of moved off of my radar a little bit i realized that it got back into the moving averages here and started consolidating but i think that that might be krbn you know that that might be a good proxy on how the ESG movement is going, you know, if that if that continues to rally on in the face of energy crises around the world, then, you know, you can bet that they're going to continue to press this policy. If you see that trend in this thing sort of start to reverse, um, you know, I'm trying to think of scenarios where people would either need less carbon credits or cause less carbon emissions, right? Maybe if there's a real economic slowdown, there are less carbon emissions, so the carbon um, hedging ETF can back off. So it's a pretty decent read, I guess, on how the ESG movement is going. Um, I just don't have enough transparency or clarity on it, and I'm not good enough at trading it yet to have a really strong opinion or take much risk in it either way. I'm kind of I've kind of got it at the end of my uh, speedometer row, yeah. You know, as as things that kind of tell me how how much I can like the other trades in the market. Uh, I mean, this is an interesting question from Brian um, on YouTube. Uh, so you don't see any demand destruction yet. Is is there a price, Tony, that you'd start to get worried about that just either in your mind or based on past experiences? But Brian's asking, at what point does the higher prices lead to lower prices come into effect? Surely the American consumer has a limit in regard to this rapid advance in fuel prices. Uh, people like to, you know, um, come around round numbers on that, I know. But is there a point where you'd start to, what What would you be looking at? Maybe this is the way to ask it. As a leading indicator where you'd start to say, oh, you know what? Interesting that this may be the demand destruction we've been waiting for. Is it a price at the tank or is it some other sort of, you know, economic indicators that you start to see turn? It's a very good question. And the question that, you know, traders and portfolio managers are really wrestling with right now. Um, I want to I want to be specific that as a trader, I want to not forget that everything about this commodity trade is different this time. So in the past where I've actually you know, we've lived through scenarios where five dollars at the pump was a little bit restrictive and caused a little bit of a weaker summer driving season than maybe we've had. On this side of lockdown, I don't know that people are going to sneeze at paying $5 a gallon if they're going on summer vacation, right? I mean, I feel like everybody's, everybody's, you know, work to life um, 
platform has sort of changed and morphed into something different and their sort of expense patterns have changed, like their time patterns have changed. So it's really hard for me to gather whether there's a price where people put their wallet back in their pocket and say, nah, you know what, I'm gonna wait, I'm gonna hold off before I have to get on this car ride or, or something like that. Yeah. So, you know, I have a feeling that it's not $5 this time where it's been in the past. And, you know, obviously there's some price up there. So now we've got a market. Right. The, the demand destruction is somewhere between five and I don't know, call it psychologically ten dollars at the pump. You know, would it shock me that would it shock me to see those prices in the United States of America? No, it would not. And I think that maybe that's where we get the political pendulum to, to at least stop swinging and for them to stop suggesting that uh, faster transition is necessary and maybe to start considering that. Now we have no strategic petroleum reserve left and that, you know, we could do a number of things to allow drilling on federal lands again to loosen the markets up a little bit. And if I started to see things like that, then I would start to think that there was a pivotal moment in the oil trade. But until we start to see a political capitulation, man, I don't I can't I don't know where the cap in that in that uh, in that gas price is that turns people off. I really don't. Yeah. And you can bet this is exactly the question. We know Jay Powell was up at the White House talking to President Biden. And you can imagine these are the scenarios that they were running through, too. Really hard um, in this time period to know how that's going to how that's going to work out. Tony, fantastic, fantastic uh, insights, as always. Great questions from all of you. Thanks so much. Once again, we covered a ton of ground. So thanks to everyone for that great conversation. Great job, Maggie. We got it. That went really well. Andrea Steno Larson is going to be back same time tomorrow with Darius Dale for the daily briefing. And don't forget to check out Real Vision's new show, Crypto Unwrapped, which is live every Wednesday, 10 a.m. Eastern, 7.30 p.m. in Mumbai, 10 p.m. in Hong Kong. They're going to deep dive into all of the stories that are driving those markets. And we know there's a lot to talk about right now. We'll see you for all that. In the meantime, take care and good luck out there. What's up, revolutionaries? Thanks for tuning in to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. For more content like this, head over to realvision.com and get unfiltered access to the very best, brightest, and biggest names in finance. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.